Seems Allegra's a no-show, which is simply a bore. But I'll partner you and Bridge. Why the pout? Would that it were so simple? of the great Pusha T. If you know, you know. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. It's the 29th episode of the Kicking and Streaming Podcast. Wow. Oh, yeah. I'm your host, Johnny Lake. Um, we're, it's been a little bit of a delay. Uh, we, we've kept the masses waiting. We want to we wanna wait to give you the most premium content we can because we're all about our premium content here at Kicking and Streaming. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to introduce my co-host, as always. Um, through 29 episodes and an extra special one he did alone, <laughs> he's the irreplaceable, effervescent Kevin Hill. Kevin, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Much better thanks to those kind words you just said on our premium content. <laughs> which, good thing you specified th- that this is a premium episode. Yeah. Uh, this is this not is, a regular episode. This is, going this, is behind the, this is going behind the metaphorical non-existent paywall that we don't have yet. Which we will never have <laughs> until we have one. Until we can As get enough people to listen. Yeah. Where it's like we're crowdfunded, crowdsourced. Yeah, we'll never episodes. have a paywall episode 100 and you get into the 200s and the 300s and you know so a couple of these episodes are missing on apple and spotify huh a lot of people are listening maybe we could uh, monetize this here baby what are these episodes that are trailers for behind the paywall episodes (laughs) yeah we're gonna give you a 15 minute slice and then there's another three and a half hours behind the paywall it's funny how like with a lot of stuff a lot of content like that audio visual content it, there's a paywall for it, and it's like, come on, pay three, four, five dollars for this. Just pay three, four, five dollars, and the public is generally like, no. Yeah. I want this for free. Yeah. I'm not gonna pay five dollars. This was free before. I refuse to pay three dollars a month. I'll pay five dollars for a, a shitty IPA, but I'm not paying yeah. five dollars for something you put weeks of effort into. Yeah. Just have one less avocado toast. Yeah. Pretty simple. But nope, not gonna do it. Thomas bagels are almost as good as New York bagels. Save the money, one purchase right there. And then you've got your subscription to the Kicking and Streaming podcast in 2019 when we have enough following to, to monetize this, this puppy. Just yeah. kidding, that'll probably well, never this, happen. Well, this is the episode where we're on the record saying we'll never do a paywall. Right. And then watch us in the future tread back on that statement. So write like it down, a politician folks. Episode twenty nine that got elected into Congress. Yeah, we're still state senators right now. Yes, and we're still we wholesome, and we've got ideals, and we seem pure and and good hearted. But in a couple years, you never know. We might get elected to the to Congress. We're going to be good looking in our early forties, and they're going to say you should run for Congress. Yeah, because you're good looking in your early forties. Yeah, 
And, and you know, we don't really have aspirations of president or anything like that, so... Mm-hmm. We just want to be party line, baby. Yeah. Party line. We want to make a difference. We will get those donors for you. <laughs> we'll get those donations. Put us in the co- congressional call center. I am against... I, I am for campaign finance reform. I don't think there should be any companies involved in politics whatsoever <laughs> until, you know, I become a mildly successful politician and there's companies that want to back me because I'll put legislation in their favor and then you know that's when the paywall shows up yeah i have a fun story for you Uh, please dad knew a congressman from arizona uh and worked with him in business and then that congressman uh was uh charged by the fdi fbi not the fdi i don't know if the fdi is. god forbid the fdi gets on your trail federal department of info (laughs) yeah uh, the FBI and my dad had to testify against the congressman. Wow. And I was As like a character and I was witness? Like, yeah. I was like 13, 14. This is how conspiracy theory I was. I was like, Dad, you're going to get murdered. Make sure you're protected. There's a guard outside <laughs> your hotel door. Dad, we need to hire a hitman. No, we need to hire a bodyguard named Rocco yeah. to watch after you for a few weeks. Because an uh, Arizona congressman. <laughs> you need to be driven yeah. to work in a black SUV from mm-hmm. the lovely suburbs of Yardley, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Maybe I should to, to Tucson. Yeah, to yeah. T- <laughs> wait. Did he really go to Arizona to testify? Yeah, he had to. Oh wow, that's interesting. Yeah, I was afraid he was going to get murdered. <laughs> Apparently, though, you were they- a very excitable and imaginative thirteen-year-old. Yeah, I mean, he was a Bush-era Republican Arizona congressman. Who knows? Yeah, you know, black sites. Lord knows. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, just, <laughs> you can just randomly say black sites yeah well that's like the conspiracy thing it's like there's no proof of a location and you're like yeah black sites <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly my man of course there's no proof of location they don't want a geo stamp on that yeah they're obviously not going to say this is the facility where we're giving people lsd yeah hi gina haspel pleasure to meet you <laughs> I remember the first time I <laughs> traded state secrets for information. Everyone remembers their first waterboarding. It was a beautiful night in Istanbul. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to like work on that beat if I, a job I may or may not work at. Um, and her just being like, I remember the first time I got information from a source. And she literally is like, it was a beautiful night in Istanbul. <laughs> Ooh, Gina. Yeah. Gina. Did that person live the next 24 hours? Who knows? Who knows? Some Turk. <laughs> Some dead or alive Turk. Some useless and, dude named Renan or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Anyways, Kevin, yeah. Um, do you want to jump into it or do we... Do I feel we, like we've bullshitted enough. Yeah, I feel like we had, a, we had a good little rhythm there. Some, some yucks. Um, we have waited about a week or so. It's been a... It's been a little bit long of a wait for the listeners, and we apologize for that. But about a week ago, week ago, about a week ago, we watched um, a little movie called Monster Trucks. A little movie with a big budget. Yeah, what was it like? Sixty something million. It was. It was high up there. I I thought it was close to a hundred mil. A hundred mil. Um, allow me to. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was co-done with, like, Nickelodeon, wasn't it? And, like, a lot of Paramount or something, a big studio. Yeah, it was, It was a, like, a big studio movie. And I, I think that shows in the cast that they were able to get. As we mentioned, it's got, like, the best 
bench in the history of <laughs> of like any shitty movie we've watched so far. Mm-hmm. It's like a team that develops uh, a great veteran bench, but then like only limits them to yeah. You know, they're they're like six minutes a game. And they're all in, like, their 13th or 14th year. So, like, you really can't, like, in the regular season, you can't, like, make them push too hard because then they'll just get tired for the playoffs. Like, Amy Ryan is the Vince Carter (laughs) of the movie. You're like, wait, first of all, Vince Carter's on the team, and he's on the bench, and why aren't we playing him? actually still is in the NBA. (laughs) It's pretty crazy. This is, like, 2009 to 2014 Vince Carter. You're like, wait, Vince Carter is on our team? (laughs) He should be out there. What is he, third strings and small forward? You're just like, wait, you have Academy Award nominee Amy Ryan? You're not going to put her out there? Give her some more concerning mom lines. Barry Pepper has like ten minutes in the movie, maybe. He's like, yeah. the, he's a re- actually Barry Pepper is a very good stepdad character. Yeah. Nine of which are him looking around inside his car. <laughs> like, <laughs> where are these monster trucks? What is going on here? All right, in total man days, um, how many days do you think Amy Ryan, Rob Lowe, Danny Glover, Barry Pepper all were like? recording for in total like on set yes on set like in the trailer film scene yes i'm saying four people Mm -hmm. do you have a number for this or maybe 20 days this is all speculation we're all just gonna guess i don't have a number if you take out holt mcclanley or holt mcclanley actually had like a significant role in the movie in terms of rob lowe amy ryan it's got to be less than 10 combined and Uh, and danny glover danny glover two days 12 There was definitely a scene. Do you remember the scene where they're in the parking garage before they take like the monster trucks, like literal monster trucks, like out? There's the scene where you so. see a an older black gentleman in a wheelchair. Do you remember that? And he's in the distance, and we both in the recording were like, "That's not Danny Glover," <laughs> <laughs> because they all Danny Glover was only there for like when they needed his face. In the yeah. Shot. So they they get like a, a nice body double, yeah. you know, sitting in the in the wheelchair for like all the shots after Danny Glover's already left set or like the things that they realized they had to add in, you know, in like reshoots or whatever. I I definitely say between those four, like absolutely less than 20 actor days. Yeah. Um, absolutely. So just to revisit the plot briefly, I know it's well, what was the budget. Can we just, Oh, right. Okay. So, um, so, so say on Wikipedia. Yeah. The budget actually, Oh my God. Oh, here we go. The budget was $125 million. I thought that's what it was, but I thought that's a ridiculous amount of money for the movie we watched. Well, it is. <laughs> it, it's, it's really a freaking anomaly, this movie. Do you want to... I'm pretty sure we said during our last podcast, but do you want to guess what its box office numbers were? I, it, it, it was like 60 million, right? It was 64 million. Yeah. Not good at all. That's bad, man. All right, Johnny, give us a quick, for the viewers and for myself, a quick, like, TLDR one-minute summary of the plot. Okay, so Teravex Oil is fracking in North Dakota. Um, CEO is Reese Tennyson. I believe that's the Rob, Rob Lowe, Lowe character. Yeah. Um, and then the geologist is Jim Dowd, who AKA is... A.K.A. Scientist Point Man character. Right, who is played by... Thomas Lennon. Tom Tom Lennon, right, exactly. Which was hilarious, because he also probably did two days on set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You take Both out... he and Rob Lowe. Yeah. I think they only had scenes together. Well, he was in the monster truck at the end. Oh, right, yes. 
Okay, so you're right. This was actually a similar sort of storyline that we saw in the Academy Awards with the winner, mm-hmm. The Shape of Water, kind of having a concerned so, yeah. good guy scientist that's on the bad guy team. So Guillermo del Toro copied monster trucks. Clearly. Right, exactly. I think we all can take that away from this. So Terravex oil is fracking, and um, they accidentally release three subterranean creatures. Um and that destroys the drilling rig. Two of them are captured, but one escapes. And then so Holt McCallany is kind of on the lookout for one. And then um, so high school senior Trip Coley, played by Lucas Till, uh, he's looking for something to do to escape the life of his family, as Wikipedia puts it. <laughs> which <laughs> to is escape like, the life of his family? It seems pretty dark. I don't know who edited yeah. this. Uh, his parents are divorced, and his mom, Cindy, Amy Ryan is in a relationship with Rick, Barry Pepper. The sheriff. Yeah. Um, Apparently, well, you know, it's kind of a stepfather, stepson kind of dynamic. Like, Barry Pepper's, the the, the Rick sheriff character doesn't take Trip seriously. Also, the names in this freaking movie, Rick and Trip. First draft. Tennyson is the CEO. First draft of names. Yeah, absolutely. They was like, oh, that's good. That works. Reese Tennyson, that sounds like a CEO. Um... So Trip finds the creature uh, and realizes it has a it has a diet of like pretty much strictly just oil, <laughs> like the creature just eats oil. Um, uh, classmate Meredith is like trying to tutor Trip, and she ends up kind of getting involved. And then so Trip, you know, kind of develops a fondness for this animal and realizes that it can it, it subsists solely on oil and loves operating cars. Um, which he also... And he also gets a fondness for Meredith. Yeah, he does, actually. Did they kiss? I forget. They ho- I they hold they hands. They hold hands. <laughs> it's a very PG movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, let me see. Um, the, the creature's name is Creech, which seems like it makes sense. Trip modifies the truck to give Creech more control. Um, Meredith is impressed and surprised at Creech's speed and talent. Um, Tennyson, the CEO, Rob Lowe, is very concerned about the incident at the rig um, because they know they have the other two animals, you know, in or, or creatures, I should say, in captivity. Uh, so then the... I'm trying to remember what the Holt McCallany character's name is. He's just evil McPoint person. <laughs> Maybe it's Burke? Is it Burke? Burke? Steve Burke? Yep, it's Burke. Um, so then kind of just the whole McCallany character is on to trip and trying to, f- you know, get that last creature. Um, hmm. Chases ensues. Yeah, lots of chases. Uh, a couple quick um, Danny Glover scenes. There really mm. wasn't a lot to it. I, I think... That's one thing that I have is for... a. Film with a budget, with a production budget of $125 million. Nothing fucking happened in this movie. Exactly. And <laughs> I don't know whether it's the script or the director to blame or the, you know, it just, it felt like it was trying to be a franchise and yet it did nothing original or nothing interesting to warrant it like a Transformers-esque franchise, which I feel like it was going for. Sort of, yeah. It kind of felt like that. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the, the way they shot, like, the chase scenes and the way that... 
I don't know, you were supposed to be attached to this creature creature and you know find it endearing and that sort of thing it was the seeds were planted but it wasn't really executed that well i think the thing i found like most interesting about the movie was that like oh these things are from like way underground and they live in these like underground like aquifers or whatever and like the only way to get them back is to go up to this like i forget what the lake is called but it's like <laughs> they're trying to go up to this lake on the top of a mountain which is like connected to like the the, yeah, the rest of everything else like on the super underground and it's I was for like, some reason the company is just like we need to poison this lake yeah <laughs> and they're like no we need to get the creatures back into the lake um and then <laughs> at the end of the movie they just like tip over the like the trick they tip the truck like just over the edge and yeah. like down 250 feet into this like kind of subterranean lake thing and the kid is just like totally okay trip is just totally yeah. fine yeah no cpr needed just get him out of the water yeah <laughs> they weren't really able to get down there very quickly i, I don't was, know there was no especially in that scene there was no tension or release ever throughout the movie there was never a moment where i'm just like oh, man, how are they going to get out of this one? Or like, oh, wow, I hope they're okay. Or like, oh, wow, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> like, like the, the scene at the gas station, I thought, like, he was going to, like, race the uh, rich kid, like, douchebag yeah. bully who had, like, the girlfriend whose only character trait was she waved. Yep, um, that was funny. I thought, like, they were going to have, like, a, you know, a race-off or something. It would kind of be, like, American Graffiti tribute. Yeah, you get that little B-plot kind of... No. Totally, totally thrown away. No. I thought there was going to be, like, a moment where, uh, you know, you know, some type of, like, romantic thing where they're at uh, Meredith's dad's, who we never say, the dad, <laughs> you know, dad's <laughs> cabin or whatever by the lake. No. No, like, romantic tension or anything. Everyone just falls asleep. And it was just, like... Y- y- oh, yeah, I forgot about there, that. There was just, like, no point where I was just, like, I'd like to see where this leads ever in the movie. It Things was just, just happened, and the way they happened wasn't, like, <gasps> it was just, like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was, like, watching something without having any emotion towards it. I never felt like anything. And I was trying to engage with the movie, but it was so unengaging. The performances really were not that exciting. The writing was very dull. Um, and the high production value was not enough to to bring that back. I mean, the creature was interesting. And I think the way they shot how the creature, like, wrapped into the car and, like, yeah. had its special abilities with, like, being able to turn the axle or whatever, that was, like, interesting for, like, it was cute 90 too. seconds. And it was cute. It was a cute little thing. Yeah. But otherwise, really, like, probably one of the most disappointing bad movies we've watched like it wasn't even bad enough to be fun Mm -hmm. it was just a super ho-hum movie and you know what is is i can't believe i'm saying this what's that i wish they had let like you know this was just like a done by the books movie i kind (laughs) of wish they let like the actors improvise or something yeah you got rob lowe fresh off parks and rec and thomas lennon reno 911 you've probably got the young actors who are you know they had they had some talent. They've I gotta imagine stuff. Holt McCallany could do a little bit more with that henchman character yeah. than just be a one note bad guy. And he wasn't even like camp one note. No, he was just like, I'm gonna put no spice into this other than black pepper. Yeah. 
I'm just like, you don't want to put some adobo, cayenne, no, and no chili adobo lime, and he's just like, nope, I'm just pepper. Yeah, I'm just a sausage with pepper. A little bit of, little bit of salt. Uh, Holt, Holden, 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 Holden. What are you thinking? Holden, we can't just go interview serial killers. <laughs> Whenever Mindhunter season two comes out, we're gonna, we're gonna go on on that. Should I do what I did with Mindhunter season one and binge it, binge it all in one day? I don't think you should, Kevin, because I think that puts you in a really dark place. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's not suitable for one's mental I health. I watched it in a dark place. <laughs> the lights were all out. And it, it was, was overcast. January day. <laughs> yeah, it was overcast. Short, dark day. Uh, I don't know if we really have anything more for this. It's, I don't know if the movie is really worth that much more discussion. We've got other things to talk about, it, but it, do you have any yeah. kind of lasting impressions or any kind of final notes you want to talk uh, about? It scares me because I realized watching it because it was kind of our first live action kids movie. And I realized like, oh crap, there's a lot of movies out there that are like terrible, terrible family movies. Yeah. And I had flashbacks to my parents taking me to see just terrible, terrible movies, which at the time as a kid I thought were a lot better than they actually are. And I kind of like gave me a little anxiety because I'm like, oh, God, if I have kids, they're going to want to be like, monster trucks, monster trucks. And you're going to be like, no, we're going to see Phantom Thread. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yep, no, we gotta we gotta go see Paul Thomas Anderson's latest. <laughs> We're gonna see about a fashion house. Sir, you're not allowed to bring your four year old to see this, you know. <laughs> Too bad. Yorgos Lanthopoulos movie. Yorgos <laughs> Lanthimos. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or that. Uh, whatever. Yeah. Um, Don't worry. I think. Yeah, for me. Um, Holt McCallany's portrayal didn't do as much as I had hoped it would. Um, and I don't know. I just, there, there wasn't enough charm from the leads to kind of draw us in. There wasn't, there weren't really enough stakes. Like we kind of knew what was supposed to happen and how it was going to happen. And there was no real worry ever on the viewer's end. No. And it wasn't crappy enough. And we don't we don't mean like we needed someone to be close to being murdered. No. To, th- we just needed like some type of like catch me off guard. Catch yeah, exactly yeah. I I wanted I want to not be able to predict what's going to happen in the next scene, and yeah. I felt felt like I was doing that for the entirety of the movie. Yeah. So. Um, so we're hmm. gonna kind of um, for this month we agreed we're going to kind of change up how we decide what movies we're going to watch since our the bowl is getting kind of low and we've gotten some recommendations from people in person uh person one that uh, person I work with shout out to Dino mm-hmm. um we got a recommendation to watch Dark Man um which is a Sam Raimi movie from 1990 with um uh, Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson and jeez, who else? Um, sorry about this. This no is worries. great. Great podcasting. Let me uh, let me click on the Wikipedia page. So directed by Sam Raimi um, has Larry Drake. Francis- who? Larry Drake. I don't I don't know who that is. Sometimes you say these names like it has. 
blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, was I supposed to know that? It has Larry Drake, Francis McDormand. Oh. Franny McD. Franny McD, early 90s. And uh, Colin Friels. There's a couple scenes that I'll show you. I'll send you like some YouTube clips okay. um, of some really crazy looking scenes. Excited for that. Because uh, there is some like, it seems like there's some interesting um, kind of effects in the movie and like yeah. uh, portrayals of how um, uh, sorry, um, Liam Neeson becomes Darkman and it looks hilarious and bad um, and has Liam Neeson well, at the helm, which we have kind of enjoyed with uh, The Haunting. So. I almost don't want to be surprised by what Darkman is. Okay. I, I have no idea who Darkman is. <laughs> I think the I'm name assuming itself. the worst based on the current political and social and cultural climate we live in nowadays. <laughs> I'm expecting the worst. Uh, Just the guy, I think the name. Darkman. <laughs> Why is he running, Dad? Why is Darkman running? Because he's dark, son. Oh God! We're gonna look for him. Uh, that was sorry. That was not. Sorry, not, <laughs> that did not yeah, come off the way it should it's have. It's not your fault. It's the social, political, and cultural climate we're in. So that's a movie that um, I think we'll maybe choose out of a hat. Do do we want to just like decide what we're gonna watch? Or do we I think we wanna... decide before the podcast. We're gonna do Darkman, or or, or no, or do you... Geo, no, oh, that's Geostorm, right. That's, that's yeah. right. Okay, apologies to the listeners. There's also Geostorm. We got a suggestion um, of Geostorm, um, which is a newer movie with Gerard Butler, which is streaming on one of the premium cable networks. So we'll look that up. Uh, also got a suggestion from Dina El Said of uh, Pennsylvania, friend of the pod. She suggested The Kissing Booth, which was recently released on Netflix Has, and got um, a lot of news coverage for kind of being. Uh, like a ridiculous teen romance that makes no logical sense. Oh, good. It has um, Adam from Workaholics in it. I, wait, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm thinking of a that's different the, movie. That's the go back in Groundhog Day that's one. That's a different Netflix movie. Netflix, and the new one is that set it up with Pete <laughs> Davidson. Like, Netflix releases like a teen, early 20s rom-com every month, and they make a big hoopla about it. But I think Kissing Booth was the May rom-com. Hoopla. A high school student finds herself face to face with her long term crush when mm -hmm. she signs up to run a kissing booth at the spring carnival. That a sounds great. Apparently, like the actress they got to play the main character is like actually 15, 16, but then like her longtime crush looks like he's 28. <laughs> of course. Of course, yeah. <laughs> so we're going to do Geostorm. We'll follow it up with either probably Darkman or The Kissing Booth or perhaps and the then final. We've also got the two final picks of the bowl, which are like the two we wanted, but of course the universe. Yeah. It's like uh, we're going to save these movies for later. We've got The Circle, which was suggested to us by I forget who. And um, I think that might have been... Uh, floated by you, and I was like, yes, we should definitely watch yes, that one. For some apparently terrible performances. We got John Boyega, Emma Watson, Tom Hanks mm -hmm. in a bad movie, which already just sounds great. Yeah. And then we've also got uh, Zoolander 2, which is something I will need a strong drink for. That's good. To talk about. It'll be fun. And that's going to be a tell-all episode. Good. Mm -hmm. That's, that's going to be a new one. Hint, hint, Kevin worked on that movie at a production company he worked at. It's going to be good. Um, so next time is going to be Geostorm. Uh, the only recollection I have of that movie was like the previews, probably like at the end of the year in 2017. Mm -hmm. Just seeing like 
I think Ed Harris is like kind of this uh, somewhat like call the shots type deep yeah. state kind of uh, conspiracy corrupted, you know, organization that somehow controls the weather or something. Yeah. <laughs> should I should I pull it up right now? Should we give a more? Sure. A- is that adequate? the one we're going to do first? Yeah, I think we'll do Geo- Geostorm. Cool. First. So Geostorm is a 2017 American disaster film, <laughs> which the fact that we have the genre disaster film is just like... And the fact that that now genre we have like is still going. Pacific Rim, Pacific Rim Uprising. But that's not disaster. That's robots versus kaiju monsters. I guess that's disaster, though. The world's pretty devastated. <laughs> so would you call Skyscraper a disaster movie? Yeah, it's when like the weather fights back. But never, like, you know, like, I feel like, uh, what was the one with Jake Gyllenhaal? Oh, uh, The Day After Tomorrow. That's like the pinnacle of... I've rewatched that Independence movie. Independence Day. Like, oh, um, Armageddon. Armageddon. Uh, so many great movies. <laughs> yeah. Well, Geostorm uh, is a 2017 American disaster film directed, co-written, and produced by Dean Devlin as his uh, film directorial debut. Uh, we're starring... Gerard Butler, Jim Sturgis, uh, Ed Harris, Abby Cornish, and others. Um, uh, that's, 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 I- I'm really glad with that cast. It's just see actors and actresses <laughs> get, and getting those paychecks. And I just love to see that Hollywood will still pay these people. Are you calling Ed Harris a C-lister? I'm calling Ed Harris the and credit <laughs> on the lineup. Or is it with? Is He's, it with or and? Oh, I don't know. I'll make a bet with you. Okay. Do you think it's with? No, I think it'll be and. It, I think got, I think it's, it's more of an and. Ed Harris, or you know, <laughs> you know, sneak in there. I like like Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> <laughs> it's always with. Um, oh, Andy Garcia's in it too. Ooh, that's another <laughs> that's great. That's and. a good. That's a good yeah. C-lister. Um, the plot follows a satellite designer who tries to save the world from a storm of epic proportions caused by malfunctioning climate controlling satellites. Is this going to be like an anti-climate change movie? <laughs> I'm very excited for the socio-political ramifications yeah. of this watch we're having. Oh my god! <coughs> Excuse me. Principal photography began in 2014 in New Orleans. Oh. Well, that <laughs> makes sense. 2014 in New Orleans. <laughs> so we're getting the 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 setting, which New Orleans seems like a great place to talk about climate change. Yeah, and uh, it's obvious that this uh, this film needed a lot of work. It did. So. Um, I think we're in for a doozy. I'm excited for Geostorm. This should be an easy watch. Hopefully it's good and bad. Happy and sad. Um, so Geostorm next time. Uh, there was some news. We really missed some big news weeks. <laughs> in, uh, in and I'm the, not talking about issues of the magazine. In the press, no. Um, so people come to the United States because they think... Uh, life is likely going to be better here in the United States than elsewhere. Um, people immigrate here from all over the world, places like Europe and Asia. Um, but people tend to come from the Caribbean and Southern, you know, South America and Central America, and oftentimes illegally because they're fleeing situations where their life is in danger. Um, they're seeking asylum. Yeah. Um, seeking asylum, it literally, uh, means 
coming here and filing to have a certain designation just because they feel that their life is in danger. They want, they don't even have any assurances that they will be able to stay in the United States, you know, full time or become a citizen or anything like that. But they are literally running for their lives from situations, you know, in places like, um, Mexico and Ecuador and other like crime, like El Salvador, Honduras. Yeah, like places with like bad situations of crime, Venezuela. like cartels and and yeah. you know police and and um, sort of government entities that aren't able to protect them very well. And ever since the beginning of this year, uh, the administration that currently runs the United States has decided to make a policy that they will separate. Well, first off, that they will prosecute anyone illegally crossing into the United States uh, n- with a no tolerance um, basis. They will Mm -hmm. prosecute them with felony charges. And a part of that is that they separate uh, any children from their parents. Anyone under the age of 18, I assume, um, I don't know that for sure, gets separated from their parents because their parents are going to be prosecuted. Um, This is while they're filing to just like protect their lives and their families' lives. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's Obviously, I hope by the time people are listening to this that they've become aware of the situation of child detention centers in Texas and more than 15 other states. Um, I heard this morning that there are more than 100 uh, total centers devoted to um, basically housing these children in conditions where they're literally they're put in cages, uh, you know, whatever kind of spin Fox News and Sinclair Broadcasting wants to put on it. Yeah, these aren't Chuck E. Cheese's. They're literally in chain link fences inside buildings. These chain link fences have chain link roofs on them. Uh, and these people are not in any condition to escape. And no. there's audio recordings of children crying for their parents and not being able to sleep and being administered drugs without the permission of their parents or any other guardians. It's a a heinous and fucked up situation. And um, in typical Trump administration fashion, once there was enough outcry, uh, (laughs) Donald Trump signs an executive order to make it so that families will stay together, though they will still be prosecuted with felony charges, Mm -hmm. federal felony charges for attempting to illegally enter the United States. Um, so draw whatever conclusions you want from that. I think you can probably assume my take on it. Uh, Kevin, I assume you feel similarly. Um, but that's just sort of what's been going on in America over the past couple weeks while we haven't been podcasting and reaching out as much. Um, but yeah, it's just it's really disheartening to see that our country is run by people that are okay with literally putting kids in cages and separating them from their parents. And this, this has always been something that has been on the table uh, in past administrations when dealing with immigration. Um, but uh, I remember I was listening to The Daily and they talked about someone suggested in the Obama administration and it was talked about for five minutes until they realized it was too deplorable of an idea. It's something that is so un-American, so unchristian, so unmoral, like immoral, that the fact that it's a policy in our, you know, country that is the land, the free, home of the brave, and these people are brave for upleaving, upending their lives and their homes to come here with the clothes and things they can put on their back. It, it's it's such a shame, and 
first of all, with Trump blaming Democrats, there's absolutely, you know, it's total BS. Mm-hmm. Obviously, immigration is a tough issue. And what happened is that in the Obama years and later Bush years, the courts did get held up, and it's longer now, and it puts a lot of immigrants and it puts a lot of people in stress that they have to wait two years, three years, four years, five years for their court hearings about whether they can actually stay in the U.S. or not. Mm -hmm. But to use a child separation policy and a no-tolerance policy towards asylum seekers as a deterrent... As a deterrent for people fleeing their homes Mm -hmm. in order to come to a place where they feel they will be safer. They want to come to the United States because they have an ideal of it, that it is a place where they can be safe and free. Mm -hmm. And to come cross the border illegally, which, as Kevin said, it's a it's a complicated issue, like immigration, especially illegal immigration and alien situations, um, to use living children as a deterrent. Um, it's really, there's not a lot lower. You can There's not much lower you can go than that. And so many of these uh, people fleeing with children are moms and brothers and obviously young kids who are leaving, like, lives that were involved with, like, MS-13 gangs, which Trump loves to bring up. Yeah. And the fact that he won't, he says, oh, we've got to end these gangs, we've got to end these gangs, and yet one of the ways is to provide shelter and, you know, a safe place for, you know, the victims and the people who are being attacked by these gangs or whose lives are being ruined by these gangs. It's just a total oxymoron. The way you, the the way that, um, you make it easier for people to walk away from gangs and not be victim of gang violence, and eventually, hopefully, the goal is to end, you know, gangs completely. Is to provide a better alternative than to join gangs, mm-hmm. which oftentimes, like, that's why people join like criminal organizations is because they feel safer being involved in that than they do being in lawful, you know, living and working situations. That's why people get into that life of, you know, being involved in a gang and being outside the law is because they feel as though their livelihood is, they're more likely Mm -hmm. to have a better life being involved in that. So the way that you combat that is to make the alternative better than joining a gang or organized crime or whatever have you. And the way you do that is to help people. And it's not to say, no, fuck off. If you try to come here, guess what? We're going to take your kids. Like, it's just, you know, it's not surprising, but it is super, super disheartening and sad. And obviously we say that from, you know, as two white dudes living in New York who are able to pay their own bills and are, you know, pretty well off. Um, So our perspective on it is definitely not as close to it as some people. Um, Yeah. But it's like, I don't know, Jeff Sessions uh, and like Sarah Huckabee Sanders, like being like the Bible. Those two names just made my heart beat a little, a little faster. I don't mean to get all liberal progressive about it, but like they're, they're all about like, Oh, it's like, actually it's super, it's super in the Bible to follow the law and to obey the law of the land or whatever have you. Um, and you know, they want to get all preachy about like protecting, 
you know, the United States and, like, upholding certain rules to prevent illegal immigration when, like, you know, I think kind of most of the basis of, like, the Bible and Christianity is, like, love thy brother. And and thy brother yeah. isn't a United States citizen necessarily. That's not what that means. It well, doesn't, they, they always, doesn't mean they always, love Steve, when, the white guy next door. Quote, like the Bible, it's always done the most pretentious way. Yeah, it's always not done like with the the beatitudes or like the like main verses that are like you know what Moses brought down from the mountain <laughs> or like what the main characters in the Bible like talked about because they got the actual word from God. If you do believe that, right. Like, it's always, like, the weirdo, like, with the long name being, like, well, McManipus <laughs> said, you know, own thy blacks and let free those whites. And it's, like, <laughs> and it's, like, why are you using that Bible passage? Like, and not the, and all the letters to the Romans are gospel. They're not in the gospel. <laughs> you know? And, like... You know that that's one level yeah. of hypocrisy. Imagine the it, shit from the right yeah. and their and their the religion shit text loving. You sent send all the time. Yeah, and it's like, look, a few people wrote some letters to some Romans and were using <laughs> what they said. It's yeah. like you know, dude was probably drunk. You, you yeah, exactly. You don't know the state that you know Saint and the, Paul was in, and like we're former rapist for for. Like all the hubbub that um, the religious right loves to have about, um, you know, protecting the lives of children and abortion is a horrible, heinous crime that should never be allowed in any circumstances. But once those kids are born and if they're brown, you know, geez, I mean, welfare, let's not get into that. Yeah. And, and, you know, illegal aliens, you know, kids, that's fine. You know, once. It's just like it, it just points out further hypocrisy. Like the lives of children and and the lives of people don't matter to the religious right, even though they use their religion as such a shield and such a weapon in the politics they try to adhere. It doesn't matter at all once those people are not fair skinned or when they're not from the United States, um, and it's just very frustrating. It's. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of organizations that are that are f helping you know fight these awful policies and um, and actions of the Trump administration, the ACLU for one. Um, uh, racist. Uh, ra yeah, I don't. R A I C E S. Yeah, you went to a. I went a, to a fundraiser. At a fundraiser Friday. for that this past weekend, right? Yeah, on Friday. So Just, what's what does races do? What is do what is? Uh, I'm not sure. What does the that stand I think for? It's, uh, uh, Refugee and Immigrant Children. The Center. Refugee and Immigrant Center for Education and Legal Services. Yeah, so they're the ones that are providing the lawyers and the, uh, you know, to get down there and, you know, fight for the children, fight for the rights of these children. Um, and that's, you know, it, it sucks because that's after the point when they're already separated from their parents. Like, I know there was a lot of protests of people mm -hmm. going to LaGuardia and going to Newark Airport when they heard that, they were flying up immigrant children to New York after they've separated them from their families and yeah. they're housing them somewhere. And it's just, it's really nice and uplifting to see so many people, you know, on social media and just out, you know, foot, feet on the ground, like doing the right thing and, and 
showing these kids that like the the administration and the policies and the politics of the people that run this country are not aligned with the actual voice and the wishes of the people that live in this country. Well, I think you brought up a good point though. That's what's so kind of heinous about this news story and whatnot is it's this we're only thing we can do is after the fact. Yeah. And that really shows what the difference is. You know, obviously our immigration wasn't perfect under Obama or Bush, um, but it kept the families together and it heard out the stories of these families. And the fact that we can only, you know, provide legal assistance or, you know, aid or anything after the fact now idea right now is so disheartening. That comes after they've already been victimized by our administration's wishes. Like they can only do damage control and that sucks. And that makes it so, so freaking important that people go out and register to vote and vote come November, 2018. (laughs) Um, You know, I'll I'll say that over and over again, but. And and, uh, do your research on your candidates. Cause that's one thing. Let's do, uh, do. I'll do a little stand-up bit here. Yeah, please. Uh, it, one thing is, is I always laugh at when people are like, "Get out the vote." It's always like a very, very, very liberal progressive person. Mm-hmm. And it's like, "Get out the vote." The vote Democrat. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, get out. You know, get out the vote. You know, and I'm vote. a. You know, I'm a you know LGBTQ progressive liberal actor. Get out the vote. Yeah. So I should vote Republican. No. 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 You you should stay home, sir. Do not register. I I think one thing is vote for candidates who are clearly able to stand up for the policies of their constituents and the policies of uh, their own doing. There's a great number of independent. Uh, Green Party, Libertarian, and Republican candidates out there who are not just aligned uh, with, you know, whatever goes along in Congress and Trump. Vote for those if they're still in the primaries and you're registered Republican. Don't don't allow this wave of just kind of off-the-cuff politics to take over. Let's get back to a time of reasonable bipartisanship because we ca- we can't be this country of one spectrum the other spectrum and they just fight for power and we undo what the other people did in the administration over and over and over again. Yeah. You need to vote for these candidates who there needs to be constructive legislation yeah. and uh progress done at all levels of politics in the yeah. country. Vote and for candidates. Yeah. yeah it's, I I I think absolutely uh you know we're uh speaking for myself at least pretty blue. Um, pretty left leaning, but you know, it, I can have a conversation with a more conservative friend of mine, and I hope they're voting for people that aren't just you know parroting Donald mm-hmm. Trump because there is a whole wave of that. Just you know, it's it's almost as bad as it might be even worse than what we saw you know with the rise of the Tea Party after Barack Obama got elected. Like people are seeing that. If you speak like a bigot and tell people that, you know, their, you know, middle class white identity is at risk for being dissolved and they should be scared and blame people that don't look like them. And I want I I would love to see some very reasonable, uh, you know, candidates on the right or even people in in Congress. I'm going to vote Democrat more 99 percent of the time. But Mm -hmm. that's not to say that I don't want to see some decent people running on the right. Well, vote vote for 
if you are on the right, vote for, you know, Republican candidates who are law professors or historians and whatnot. So many times at work, all I see is, like, Republican congressmen and legislators who are like, look, I'm just a physician from Oklahoma, so this is what I know about Chinese cyber attacks. And it's yep. like, dude, you don't know anything about... I don't know anything. The 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 governor of Maine was a... Uh, basically a small business owner before he started before he ran for state office and then ran for governor and he's like Donald Trump light and is just you know just as hateful and and disobeying the will of the people of Maine voting in referendums and then not not enacting those uh you know policies uh just speaking for, uh, you know uh, for, as a Mainer um cuz mm-hmm. my dad's my dad's pretty vocal on Twitter, and that's pretty cool. I like to see that. Uh, but vocal just, dads. Lo- vocal dads have taken over Twitter. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's, it's, you know, you look at the replies on, like, celebrities, and uh, <laughs> it's never, like, young people. It's always vocal dads. It's like, a, I'm Jim Cutwell, yeah. 56. I sell insurance. Liar in chief. <laughs> yeah. You're a liar in chief. So we, we've done a little bit of a digression, and we, we, we kind of did our politics thing, and I'm glad because, you know, we get a little excited about that just talking in person, Kevin and I, not even on the podcast, but just talking about politics in general. And um, I mean, God just knows that of... wasn't much different than, like, an MSNBC panel, though. No, <laughs> no, really. I mean, there's just a lot of awful shit happening, and people need to register to vote and to vote, and they need to be vocal about what they believe in and not stand These up. Be smart voters. Or, or they need, and yes, and they need to be smart voters, and they need to stand up when they see, like... Honestly, like human rights violations, I think. You know, that might be a little bit of hyperbole. I'm not sure. I'm not a legal scholar. I'm just a guy that is on the St- internet a good bit and like works with computers and talks into microphones with my best friend at uh, at our apartment. But like children being separated from their families, like that's not a fucking partisan issue. Like mm-hmm. we, we shouldn't be arguing over this. And it's fucking crazy that we are. It's a line, and it, 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 it's really, I feel like it's one of the first few lines where it's like, honestly, what side are you going to be? Yeah, uh, unfriend me on Facebook if you think kids should be separated from, their, from, their, uh, from mm-hmm. their parents, you know. Unfollow me on Twitter, don't think about me, because uh, that, Sorry, I, I, I don't to tolerate you. that I don't, shit. I don't think many people. <laughs> well, all of you listening out there... Don't get too um, narcissistic about this premium episode of the podcast. Yeah, this is a premium yourself. episode, and I want you to know that if you support children being separated from their parents at the border, then unsubscribe from this fucking podcast. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all I've got. Kevin, any any kind of closing notes? Any Anything else you want to talk about? Uh, huh, um, let's end on like a lighter thing. Uh, was there anything funny that happened to you this week? Or any, you know, goofy um, Well, kind of in the same sort of vein of, like, human rights and civil rights, talking about that. It's Pride right now in yeah. New York. And, um, Which is been, a month. I went, I went to... Actually, yes, it is. It's, it's a month. It's a month. It's a week. It's a day. It's a lot of things. There's just rainbow, ra- rainbow flags everywhere. <laughs> um, I know living in New York, it's somewhat of a bubble in terms of like progressiveness and people being supportive of LGBTQ rights and um, general celebration of those identities. Um, but it's, I, I think it's beautiful that people don't fit in boxes 
um, or on spectrums or on binaries. And I think we should celebrate the different uh, people that grace the earth and the different weird souls out there. Because to a certain degree, um, you know, it, life is boring if, if it's only a few colors on the rainbow, you know. Um, yeah. Pride parties are freaking awesome. I went to a coming out party for one of my friends on Friday. Um, it's just great. And I wish, uh, you know, for the people out there that don't live in as liberal or welcoming places like New York City, um, you know, you're not alone. Uh, if, if there's anyone listening to this uh, that is, you know not on the spec, not on the binary or, you know, just doesn't fit into any boxes and, you know, LGBTQ and just wants to celebrate about it, reach out to us. Uh, you know, the, you know, the email kicking and streaming pod at gmail.com. Uh, we love all you people of all colors and shapes and sizes and identities and sexual preferences. Um, the best people are the, are we the only, f- we only want people who, can be self-aware about themselves, laugh about themselves, and love the life around them. And exactly. Love bad movies. Yeah. That's the you got. If you don't like bad want. movies, I don't care who you are. You can fuck right off. Yeah. <laughs> if you can't laugh at just some terrible moments in movies, like like Josh Hartnett wandering around the woods and then getting murdered at the end of Lovers. <laughs> Or, you know, just some terrible, just terrible, terrible filmmaking and moments and acting. You know, if you can't laugh at it. Are we talking about the lovers or? The uh, Velociraptor getting blown up from a, you know, thrown, you know. Stick of dynamite. Stick of dynamite. I don't even know if it was dynamite. If you can't, if you can't laugh at, you know. This is what the pond's about, people. The po- yeah. It's about shitty movies and being loving and welcoming and accepting of everyone and being extremely self-aware. Mm-hmm. Everyone should be self-aware and reflect on themselves and l- try to extend love to everyone around them, regardless of who they are or what they like. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, that's a good note to close on. Uh, as always, you know, hit us up on Twitter at your fave podcast, Y-O-U-R-F-A-V-E podcast. And if you have any more suggestions for our um, uh, listener recommendation series, we'd love to extend this. You know, we're only going to do this for the uh, five movies we have on the list, but we'd love to bring it up to six, seven, eight. Yeah. Make this a summer series instead of just July. So, you know, if if movies you want us to watch or just things you want us to talk about, mm-hmm. anything like that, um, our ears and our inbox is always open. Uh, hit us up in the DMs or at Gmail, as I said before, kicking and streaming pod at gmail.com. Um, that's pretty much it. Uh, happy Pride to everybody. Uh, happy crappy movies. And um, support the ACLU because people need defending. And uh, vote. And go vote. Peace out. See you.